Welcome to Talking in Stations. It is May 11th. I am Matterall here with Rich Richmond. How are you doing, Rich? Hello. We have a number of other guests as well, uh, yeah, but you can't see them. They're off screen, starting with Caleb. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm just doing Skeleton Crew today. Uh, and we have again with us uh, Shen. How are you doing, Shen? Doing well. Hello, everyone. And uh, talking about mining later on will be uh, Astrea Khan, or Khan as we call him. Good evening, good evening, everybody. All right. So May 11th, uh, we've just come off a busy week with uh, Eve Online's 18th birthday and all the festivities that come with that. Uh, this uh, earlier today, I did an interview with CCP talking about quadrants, and we're going to have that for you on Sunday, so you'll be able to see it. There's some interesting stuff there. You'll want to tune in, I assure you. Uh, but uh, we're not going to play that today. Maybe I'll show a clip, but without volume, so you can't hear anything. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But spoilers. It's got to be um, a ton of things in the news, but I'm having a hard time putting my head around what's going on uh, in EVE Online, except maybe that Nyx thing that happened. I'll go get that kill mail. You guys talk. It, it's what tumbleweed season. What's the on that, Nyx? Are we back to talking about Supercapital deaths as news? It's There's a lot of speculation on what the deal with that Nyx is. I I don't even know what's, is, what is there a lot of it. speculation or is there just a little a speculation? Some, some people say he was fleet warped off. Somebody say he was incompetent. Somebody says he's a spy. Somebody says he's extra, uh, trying to escape, extract and run off with his stuff. Nobody knows. Well, let's bring that up and see why people are even talking about it. So let's go to. Aha. Okay. I get to draw again, so I'm super excited about that. So here we have a Nyx. This Nyx was destroyed. Hello, Carl Jr. And let's have a look at what's so interesting about that. Can anybody guess in the audience already? What I'm going to mark up? How about all this? All this? All this? <laughs> what is going on? What do you guys think? Can't see anything, so I don't know what you marked okay, up. Well, I was having a great time all by myself, except I forgot to do this. Okay, let's do that again. Fantastic. All right. Okay, let's get ink. Aha! Now we're cooking. It, it completely blows my mind because it could be any case. It could be somebody's just got a spare Nick's hole they wanted to do something with or they wanted to move it to somewhere or god knows what but if they were trying to if it were a spy it's in a corp that hasn't accepted anybody for about six months now and they've only accepted maybe two three people in the last a year and a half so it's a very quiet corp if it were somebody trying to evac their stuff out surely wouldn't they fit their worldly possessions and more belongings into it and follow the because there was some interesting Safe conduct. Was there anything? Has anyone actually has anyone checked out the insurance uh, numbers yet, and uh, whether or not the new valuation thing has actually made it maybe valid to start doing insurance scams again, or uh, insurance blow up? Well, it would be reflected here, wouldn't it? 
uh, no, you would have to know what was the price and the valuation of a next before, what was the insurance payout, and how has it changed uh, in the new pricing model? Because if if the payout, uh, well, of course, you can say, well, the value uh, doesn't make it really valid. But if this guy just wants to cash in on his earlier stuff, it's a great way of doing it. Because the fact that it's got no fittings, that means that to me, this is either completely intentionally trolly, uh, insurance based, or a mistake. Right? It's an it's an oops. Well, how did he get caught? Is it the usual? He joined the wrong fleet, got warped out, and got killed. That's the story I'm hearing, but I I don't understand what's going on. So people are denying. People are saying all sorts of things. It's it's all lost. What was in cargo? Anything? Uh, one Tyrannus. So, nothing. <laughs> one fit Tyrannus. And the oxygen isotopes. Nothing, basically. Alright, well, it's not... This isn't anything special except that it's uh, just really bizarre. Shows uh, either unpreparedness or, or hurriedness or maybe miscommunication. Um, I don't think people know what to make of it, but it certainly wasn't ready for war. Probably just got caught... Uh, maybe doing something in preparations for something else. Don't know. All right. So much for that, Nix. What else we got? There was, uh, Shen, you had something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the event. So, uh, so the, the combat sites and the exploration site, they're still on. The one that's ended today, uh, was the proving ground. So the pre uh, the 18 free for all, Proving ground is officially ended today. Uh, so and so that uh, task on your uh, events uh, page uh, in agency is replaced by a, a firework. You hit, you use the firework to hit a EOM ship in one of the combat sites. Uh, so that's that. Uh, with the events, a uh, couple of things. One is with the uh, uh, combat sites. Uh, the so there's. Unlike previous events, there's actually one logi or multiple logis uh, that can uh, warp on grid uh, during one of the waves. Uh, it's the Guardian Hall. So if you see a Guardian Hall uh, ship, and if you're, if you're doing it solo or in a fleet, uh, it's, it's better for you to kill that ship first, uh, then you have a much easier time to kill other ships afterwards. So even though in the lore that they are uh, hybrid weapon shield tanked, but in the event, they're armor tanked. That's what we can see. They have a strong armor rep with the Guardian on, on grid. And uh, unlike uh, the uh, the hunt event, where they have all kinds of war on you, uh, this time it's only new tracking uh, and guidance disruption uh, from the ships. And there are, there's, are, are two towers from each room with a web and a, stasis, uh, a, web and a warp disruption tower. So if you're in NullSec, let's say, and you're doing it uh, in a safe system, uh, what you want to do is kill the warp disruption, warp disruption tower first. And that way, nobody can warp disrupt you except for the boss. So for the boss, it's going to web you right away after it warps on grid. Uh, but it's only going to scramble you after it gets into armor. So that's for the combat side. For the exploration side, uh, just like previous event, uh, it's, it's very Difficult to scan, but it's very easy to hack. 
So if you do a lot of exploration sites uh, before the event, so it's similar to a level three uh, data and relic site scanning wise, uh, but is the hacking difficulty is similar to a rumble. Like a, uh, so in a normal uh, a uh, relic site, let's say, uh, you will see something called like a blood raider rumble. That's one of the easiest uh, relics uh, containers that you can hack. So it's level three scanning easiest uh, one to hack. Um, it's also it's also note uh, uh, note thing that uh, the fact the loot in those things uh, there are two things that's very special about the loot. One is uh, we've never seen this before in any other uh, event where they drop something they drop components for the factions slash meta capital uh, modules. This is something that we have only seen to this event yet, I think. From my experience, experience. Um, so for those meta and slash ca uh, faction capital modules, you're going to build it with T1 based module with those components, and those components are dropped usually from um, from uh, ghost site and some uh, data sites in Nozick, and I think data and relic site. Uh, it's more, I think it's mostly data site with ghost site, uh, but this time they also drop in the event. And second one is the um, extended capsule layer day glamorex booster, which gives you twenty five percent of the social boost. Uh, which means that when you're doing when, when you do a, a mission, you get a higher standing boost than you previously would without the booster. So the booster oh, lasts nice. three days with with uh, with uh, what is it called biology or like that skill ten. Yeah, biology, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you have that to five, that means you have six days. So if you want, let's say, a cramp up for Caldari Navy uh, standings, this is a great way to do it. Uh, it's it, it's going to expire on June 8th. So you want to do it, you can, you have to do it now. And it's pretty cheap in G.2. It's, it's, I think it's 7 million per, per booster. Oh, this is great for missioners, right? They want to build up their standing really quickly. It's uh... Yeah, and the word... Another way you can use it is, let's say, if you do Glenton missions and you have a really bad Caldari standing, and this is a way to counter that. Right. Uh, that's well, usually. That's, that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really, actually a really good. That's a really good tip there. If you guys want to raise your standing doing missions, being able to boost your way to a certain point, you get bigger missions. The missions have bigger payoffs. You'll increase your standing at a faster rate than if you were to naturally work it up slowly. So it's a really good. Really good boost there. I can recall for me to achieve a blue status with the Garistas, it took me one epic arc and I think two other, two or three other boosts. With this booster, you should be able to do it in far less, maybe one and a half epic arcs and probably not even need a friend to help boost you. Maybe even a storyline mission will get you by. So that's pretty useful if you want to achieve a blue faction status, which is different from the corporation standings. As for the 18-person free-for-all, hmm, apparently this one hasn't been that well received because some people started using extremely tanky fits, some people started colluding with their friends, and the person who won these 18 free-for-alls had to fight really hard because a lot of them he would lose, or well, most of the time he would draw. Achieving a victory in one of these 18-man free-for-alls was, well extremely difficult because you're racing against a clock if you can't kill if everybody decides to bring break tanked 
ships to this event while you're racing against a clock and you're going to end up in a draw. Hmm. So, uh, so the people who are winning, are they getting past the collusion, the collusive parties? I don't know if that's a word, but they're just, or are they part I think of it? it's, pers- uh, as far as I think, as far as Kellon Darklight, uh, who's done a lot of oh, them, yeah. I don't think he, no, he wouldn't, I don't think he no, would collude. He's a champion no, of he, uh, he, Amarian tournament stuff. So. Oh yeah. As a Titan. It's a good, good gladiator his, right there. Oh, Definitely. I, he's very persistent in doing it. He's done quite a lot, and he's done a lot of draws, lost a few times, but also has won quite a lot. It's all about persistency uh, in this 18-man f- Proving Grounds competition. Even draws gave you more points and boosted your rankings. Wild. All right. Uh, anything else there, Shen? Is that the uh, extent of it? Uh, yeah, I was thinking also in the chat they mentioned like this is a great way if you have let's say negative hidden com or negative uh, triglavian standing if you if you want to fix that this is a great way to do it with this like twenty five social boost is a lot is a quarter up. Yeah, I can't I can't stress that enough. I mean, you can always with empires you can always buy yourself out of a bad reputation with them. In other words, if you go into an empire's space and you're getting shot at by the police, uh, you can buy your way out of that. But you can't earn your way into good standing, which gets you rewards whenever you run missions. And the higher your standing, the more agents you get to access with higher paydays. So it's always a good thing to have good standing. The thing is, it takes a long time to grind it. And you can only grind it one corporation at a time. You also grind a faction every time you do a corporation. So if you're in Galente space, you're working for a Galente corporation, you're your corporation is going to look more favorably upon you that you're working for. And also Galente will look more favorably at a much slower rate. And that's it. So it takes a long time to earn up just one corporation, just one faction. So if you were able to inject to boost that up, that's like that's like a free skill temporarily. I think and if you're... Connections, I think, is what it's called. The skill that actually raises your rewards and standings. There's connections and there's also criminal connections and another one with criminal connections is for pirates, but there's another pirates, one for Empire yeah. Space. If you get the high enough for pirates, you can do what Satonia does and goes to a diamond rat site, spawns them, and sits there while with blue standings. Anybody who warps to there and doesn't have sufficient standings will be killed by diamond rats. And if they try to kill him, the diamond rats will actually repair you. I am blue to Garistas, so... If I'm on a Garista's grid with diamond rats, uh, guess who isn't dead? <laughs> in uh, other news, I think with the Pokvin being available for everybody else, with that's what us people talking about uh, Pokvin, it's slowed down a little bit compared to the initial rush. So the whole scare of Pokvins are going to be overflown and everybody's going to go rush into there. I think those fears can be, I don't want to say subsided, but it's not as huge of a, I guess, mass immigration to Parkland uh, as some people would think. It's slowed down a little bit. Either the people going in are slowing down or the people living there are pulling back. What is going but on there? Way, they, it slowed down. Yeah, are the people that live there that were making a killing, and I don't know how big that was. Some people say it was an enormous amount of risk. Other people say... Eh, it's theoretical. The actual money was less. But those people, are they perturbed now that there's a bunch of tourists around? Because 
access to Poshman is so much easier than it used to be? I don't yes, think it's fair they... to call them tourists. That's a little bit uh, of an overstatement. Immigrants? No, that's offense. No, I can't use that. Just uh, migrants. migrants. <laughs> New guys. Migrants. Uh, they are perturbed. Uh, the amount of ratting that's been done is dropped. However, there's disagreements on how much it's been dropped. Some people say that during US time zones, they have stopped running fleets. Some people say during EU time zone, they stop running fleets. And then some people say during AU time zone, uh, because of AU time zone groups, they've stopped running fleets. And it's gotten into this weird area where all these major time zones are covered. And you have to think, so when do they run the fleets? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I guess we don't have a definitive answer because there's different groups in that section and uh, they're not talking because it behooves them. If they're if they're still able to make a bunch of money, they're not going to talk about it. And if they're getting slaughtered and not able to make any money, I don't know if they have the influence to change anything because it's a CCP decision to, to let more people into that area. Well, I think the important thing to take away from that is that if CCP has decided to lower this barrier... I'm pretty sure that you can almost indirectly conclude that the whole Triglavian and Poshuan story is not at all over and finished. Uh, that It will still be part of uh, the things that they're rolling out for at least the rest of the year. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that we've been switching our focus on... By the way, no more news, right? Before I move on. Okay. Uh, tie dye in three tacti. I guess a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was last story. But what was what was that? That was pretty interesting. So we had a, about like around thousand people fight. Just I think just around there, but just under a thousand people in three tacti today. Um, uh, two hours after downtime. Um, surprise! Uh, what's surprise uh, for us? It was the the tie dye that that happened during. Uh, normally, for a thousand people, you wouldn't see a ten percent tie dye. But today, we saw a ten percent tie dye kept on for a good while before it dies down to like sixty and seventy percent, um, uh, sixty and fifty percent. So normally, I would think. Well, we know that some of these servers, sorry, some of these systems have been reinforced. Their server has been reinforced with enough power to. Uh, be hospitable to thousands of players that are fighting. We know that five tags, uh, 1DQ and 5TZ. Uh, but do we know if 3TACD is uh, permanently, re- permanently reinforced right now? I think it's fair to conclude that it's not, considering that it's uh, showing. Yeah. Numbers, right? So, so the point is, uh, CCP uh, might have some that are uh, preemptively reinforced, right? And then you have the ones that are reinforced uh, by agency when the players actually ask for it. So this definitely shows that this is not in any of those groups. So somehow it either got overlooked and uh, not reinforced or it's a mistake. I don't know which. Right. Yeah, so maybe hint CCP, come fix it. <laughs> that means we are going to see a lot of, lots of actions in that constellation over the coming weeks and months. So maybe it's a good idea. Who knows? Yeah, but no one, I'm pretty sure that no one has actually asked for it to be reinforced because otherwise it would, because that system, as far as I, re- I recall, is actually automated now. Weird. Okay. It must be the players, right? That's not 
remember to uh, ask for it and or, or to renew it for some reason. Well, I was I was going to actually. Well, I'll go ahead and show you. Here's the map and uh, the area that we're talking about is uh, here. That's not the right color. Let's do something you can actually see. Right here. Now these two are reinforced. We'll switch colors. I'm going to have to get good at switching colors for you guys. But this area here, these two systems, those servers are reinforced. Therefore, because there's high populations there, right? But I don't know if that extends to the whole constellation. I kind of thought there would be, but no. So if you're having tie-dye with a thousand people, clearly uh, those servers are not reinforced. Or there might be, that might be, you know, something to look, some more server instability to look forward to as we go into a huge siege, maybe the biggest siege EVE Online has ever seen for a period of months. Who knows? Yeah, servers are like terrifying. A thousand people with tie-dye is normal, but not 10% tie-dye. Like 10% is the worst tie-dye you can have. Yeah, and also Elder uh, says 1DQ also was hit with 10% tie-dye earlier today with reasonable numbers. That's why I don't, I don't think it's just unreinforced equipment there. I, I think there's something going on, and that is a warning sign of uh, maybe they're doing some correction at that hour. Um, there have been some snafus with EVE Online in the last few days, so maybe they're still correcting for that sort of thing. This doesn't feel normal. It actually feels a little worrisome. So we'll see. With that, I think maybe we should move over to talk about some moon mining. That is something you might be more interested in now that the moon mining materials, the products of moon mining, are becoming a lot more desirable in that they will be used not only for Tech 2 equipment and ships, but also T1 stuff and capitals. So um, here to talk about that is Khan. Are you here, Khan? Yes, I am here. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, moon mining is becoming one of those things in EVE where um, you got to kind of got to know a guy or you kind of got to get into yourself if you don't want to have to be paying outrageous prices. Um, I like that, kind of know a guy. <laughs> yeah. <That's good> stuff. <laughs> And, um, you know, to kind of give, uh, you know, as much knowledge to players who may not be as familiar with moon mining or, you know, if there's like a small who wants to um, get into moon mining themselves, I kind of wanted just to put it together a quick little presentation going over different things that you can look forward to moon mining and, you know, um, some things you can try and how do you get into moon mining yourself? Eve is a multi- Can I ask a question before you start that one? Yes. Do you know anything about what someone like Snuff is planning on doing when it comes to all this uh, potential moon mining money coming out? Do Do you know if they are approaching anyone to start doing so pseudo renting like racketeering, or do you, does it look like they are more interested in what appears to be an interdiction? I don't know what their plan would be. But honestly, my take on it is I don't think anybody would even be willing to rent from Snuff at this point uh, because they have burnt so many bridges. Well, yeah, true, yeah, but this is a, this is a case of if you don't pay them, you're guaranteed that they will show up, right? 
Well, they they have, and they've they've killed a lot of our structures in low second. We would rather, and I'm speaking as a diehard RPer, but we would rather replace our structures than rather working with them. And I'm positive a lot of people who are influential miners would do the same thing. Well, Caleb, that I do have an answer. I do know what they're doing with all those moons that they've gotten. Uh, do share, please. Well, uh, to my knowledge, those who have helped Snuff in their battle so far have been given a share of the moons as spoils of war, and they've become, I guess, well, they call themselves the Crokite Kings, so the people that they have given the spoils to would be viceroys. They There are people who are now mining these moons, Though, because a lot of them are PvPers who are doing this, they blitz it using a lot of oracles and try to do it as quickly as possible. None of them like to stick around to grind through these moons. I'm sure if you have a group that wants to mine, that they, you could probably figure something out with uh, either Snuff or any of their friends that they're currently working with. Whether or not they're reliable is to be questioned, but... Well, if thinking pragmatically, what would they rather want? Do they want some rocks and profit, or do they want a bunch of uh, dead coveters? Because, you know, you can get a dead bunch of dead coveters, or that you can have a freighter way full of moon minerals. I know what I would take. Well, so, right, but sorry, I didn't mean to jump in here, but they're not the only ones who's able to put up structures and mine them frequently and reliably. You know, that they're not the only gig in town, I guess I'll say. Um, you know, UK, we have our own mining fleet and it's actually very respectable now. And we are able to put out some really decent numbers. My own personal fleet, myself, whenever I mine a low sec, is pretty competitive. So the arguments are where they're able to create these viceroys aren't really good enough for a lot of people because all you got to literally do is ask somebody hey can i mind your structure and a lot of the time people will be like yeah sure you know just uh sell to me directly in the station give me a cheaper price and you can mine as much as you want those type of relationships are very good to have and at the end of the day for all the people that um stuff has burnt along this whole five or six years i don't see a, a um a big enough numbers of people wanting to still work with them because that bad taste is in their mouth still. Yeah, and and of course this is something that we talked about before, or at least I mentioned that uh, there was a potential interdiction drama um, and monopolize uh, attempt in in the horizon. I still see this as the first rumblings of that. Uh, and of course we can then start uh, soon having a rather big discussion when Snuff starts actually making it a, a more uh, informed decision because this is really about where you're going to get uh, benefit from this when you almost rule uh, low sec, right? You can either take money from a racket or a rental or vice or whatever you want to call it, right? But that is one scheme. The other is to take money from, say, someone like the null sec entities. This is tied into TTC. Uh, which would uh, result in an interdiction that's basically uh, co-enforced by Snuff. They need to take a stand on this. They, I don't think that they can do less is fair and just uh, ignore these two options and just go about business as usual. They need to decide which side they want to land on. Uh, and I'm definitely seeing this as something we will be reporting on a lot in the near future. But, uh, of course, we, we can get back to that another day. I, I still think that... Uh, uh, it's it's going to be very, very important politically um, in a few weeks or months. Well, here's the thing. They actually have taken 
they've actually been making some plays. As far as the reactions goes, they've taken a lot of those structures down that have already been established, and they put their own in. And a lot of the systems that were, you know, people were. So I don't see people using their structures to mine, but I do see people getting on friendly terms with them so that they can do reactions. And that is a big moneymaker for them. And it exactly. will be. And the two are tied together. If you're, if you're, if you're setting up what I, I think I've referred to this as, as homesteading, right? If you're setting up shop and you want to do stuff like reactions, doing things like moon mining, uh, also is it's like uh growing rye and also uh having chickens it's like you're going to do both right it, it's just too much opportunity uh, as a money maker to just get into a little bit of all the benefits that you can get from the space that you've situated yourself in right um but just to, to then go into to some of the details Khan, how, how do you actually then go about this and and what's the actual range of profitability and yeah you know, Things well, like uh, return of investments. Hold on, Caleb, before you take them in to talk about moon mining and all that other stuff, I just want to get to some questions here. People didn't know what you meant by viceroys. Do you want to explain that, Con? Oh, that, I, I well, use that the term viceroy. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, was... Go ahead, Rich. You okay, vice, a viceroy comes from viceroyalty, which means to rule in place of. So in past, uh, an emperor might give one of their kingdoms as a viceroy to one of their loyal subjects, and they would be ruling it in their place. So in this case, a, a viceroy of, say, Krokite would be somebody who is ruling or controlling or warlording or profiting from uh, Krokite in the place of uh, the person they've been given it to. Or given it from, sorry. Now you're talking about almost like a, a, a state monopoly more than a viceroyship. A viceroyship, I would more assume, is is like a super rental uh, model, right? It, it's more that you are responsible for your own area. When when you're talking about rentals, right, in 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 a traditional sense, if if you're renting space from someone, you're still expecting those people to at least partially also police and and be responsible of your safety whereas if you're viceroying uh you're 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 actually responsible for your own safety um but you still have to pay some sort of uh, vassal state uh tithes to 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 the actual king right um so so these models and and the terms that we use for them we we need to actually have the 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 contracts and uh uh, the individuals to to tell us exactly what kind of model they're working on, but the point is that if Snuff are the uncrowned king of Losek and can pretty much uh, act in it uh, without any real meaningful challenge, then they are the ones that can run the rackets, the rentals, the viceroyships, and all of that stuff. Um, and again, the alternative to that is that they go the other way and basically just act like uh, destruction agents and just take down everything because uh, Null might actually want to pay them to uphold an interdiction instead. Well, they call themselves the Kings of Crokite. Uh, now, to address Ruski in the tw uh, Twitch chat, who is in the uh, Snuff Viceroy program? I wish I knew. I wish I could tell. You wish you could tell or you wish you knew? They're two different things. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Okay. I would um sorry, I'm diverting the conversation here, but I would like to add something on top of that. I think it's a little bit of both being a vassal and a viceroy. Cause what stuff can do is they can basically say, Hey, you can sit and th these are for PvPers, of course, not like miners, but they can give somebody a certain region and they can be like, Hey, 
mind this and Guardly systems, PvP, do all that stuff. Har- harass the locals. And um, if anybody tries to show up with a decent enough fleet, then Snuff can just move in and protect those structures. And then as well, for the reward of doing said activities, Snuff can get a cut. That's basically passive income that they don't have to work for. All they have to do is just PvP and defend them. Yeah, the, the, the difference is the other way around, right? If you are an untrusted entity like Snuff, uh, doing things like uh, rentals and viceroy things can actually be problematic because people will need to ch- trust you. And if they if there's a well, history of them being not trustworthy, CBA they will actually. Them. Well, the the point is that they will actually benefit more from an interdiction system, uh, which is why I feel like if they are trying to act as if they can play good cop right now, just get ready to get fucking slammed with a bad cop thing uh, almost immediately after because. If Snuff wants to have fun with killing people, which is what they like to do, what they would be interested in primarily is an interdiction thing. And that means that they will way more likely take a big amount each month from someone like TTC for actually just killing everything than trying to act like a civilized entity that's trying to uh, control the hood. Uh, So I'm just saying... Be very, very careful what deals uh, you make with these people because it's in this very, very much in their interest to fuck you over in a few weeks or months. All right. Well, we I can't endorse, I can't endorse all that, but I feel like I need to reintroduce Khan to talk about mining instead of uh, <laughs> all the power plays going on in low sec over minerals. So, uh, Khan, tell us about moon mining and uh, how someone can get involved with it and. What is it that uh, are best practices and stuff? Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of want to do like a, you know, as to what I'll go over um, to kind of give myself a little direction. So um, basic, basically what I'll be going over is what is moon mining? Um, where can you find it? What do you need to start mining? What are sure, uh, some of the ships you can uh, use to mine the moons? Um, for new players, of course, what is a moon drill? How does fuel work with moon mining? And the most important part, um, what minerals come from moons? Wow, that's ambitious. We're going to have this all like, you know, uh, a neat package on the uh, website soonish, TM, uh, after it's all done. So you don't have to memorize all this, but if you want to write notes for yourself, go ahead. But this is a good opportunity to get into a new line of work, should you want to uh, take it away, go on. Do you have a presentation or anything? Um, I mean, I have a little type up that I have uh, made for myself. I'll just try to track down some images as you go. So go ahead. All right. Um, so basically moon mining, um, uh, as basic as I can explain it is basically just firing a giant laser at the moon to a extract a chunk of ore. Um, moon managers, uh, can set the time for the extraction. And basically it works is the longer the time, the bigger the chunk, and the more ore you'll get from it. Um, When the extraction is over, the chunk is ready to be uh, fracked, which basically means popped for, you know, minor lingo, which basically means just exploding the rock. Um, This is just me personally, but I actually like the way uh, the drill fires. Um, whenever you start the extraction, there's like this cool little swirl that starts. Um, and then right uh, as it's about to explode, the chunk 
the popping is immensing increased this big flare or this big explosion that's really dope i'm sorry i just had to go over that yeah um if i can find uh, that and another uh cool thing i want to go over too about uh moon mining is um Moon Mining was released in the Lifeblood expansion, which was released back in October 24, 2017. The expansion uh, allowed stand-up moon drills to, uh, to extract chunks of moons and 0.5 systems or lower. Previously, moons were mined on um, player-owned star bases, which basically stands for POS uh, is the acronym. It um, was kind of automatic back in the day where you didn't actually have to go to the, the asteroid field and mine it yourself so people were able to get passive income from owning them um and with the uh drill you're able to put them on all 0.5 moons or lower at the upwell moon mining beacon um the upwell moon mining beacon becomes invisible when warping to the moon too so if you wanted to uh go directly there you're able to find that once you warp to the moon it's not something that you can just find on your overview now, um, with moon mining, also, um, whenever you're anchoring, anchoring the refineries, the refineries must be within 250, excuse me, 200, yeah, 250 kilometers of the moon beacon and fitted with a stand-up moon drill service module. Um, and when you're looking at the structure, if you wanted to see if a structure has it, uh, it's basically just like a giant laser um, on the back of the structure facing directly at the moon. Now for the cycle for the uh, moon mining, um, it usually takes about 6 to 56 days depending on the setup. Um, and the laser allows you to set the times for the extraction and also the length of time for the cycle. Uh, the amount of ore also depends on how long you set up the cycle, but it basically adds up to about 26 M3 per hour. Uh, what I usually try to recommend for people is choose um, a fracking or a popping that's best for your schedule why is uh, if you set it up while you're asleep and it automatically fractures because it does uh do that after a certain amount of time you may have some sneaky uh ninja miners that come in there who either mine all of your ore or a large portion of your ore um now um basically going over the moon fracking as well for you know non for new players who don't understand how the process works, um, once you fire the laser at the moon, it breaks off a chunk. And then once that chunk is broken off, it pulls the chunk from the surface and um, the structure uses like a tractor beam that pulls it away from the surface and it stays in position until the fracking is commenced, which it's usually based off of when you fire or when your schedule uh, is set up to automatically fire. Can now, after add, oh, go ahead, go ahead. can I just add something? Um, because uh, this nin ninja uh, mining stuff is is an endless uh, thing that uh, people are frustrated about when they're trying to run these operations. And and I think there is a little bit of a workaround if you can find good ways to com uh, collaborate with your neighbors. So, if if people are working uh, moons in your vicinity that you uh, might not be ex extremely aggressive against, uh, setting up something like collaborations on fracks is actually 
potentially very useful and powerful if you can find out how to do it the right way and make the right deals. This is, well, I, I again, this is back to the homesteading idea. If you compare this to how farmers actually used to uh, work each other's uh, fields when they were harvesting, right? You you would go to your neighbor's field with uh, with your scythe and, 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 and help them get the, the hay in while it was still sh sunny, right? So this is very similar. And, and, I, and I really hope that people that want to get into this consider something like that and then make themselves available to help uh, their neighbors because in uh, in dealing with this then you 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 can kind of build your own little uh, pseudo community and that might actually help you survive in in these scenarios better well it's, it's actually funny that you brought up I'll, um sorry i'll just segue on this real fast um i've seen a lot of people actually start renting out their moons to people to certain miners and the miners get to control well they give like roles to the um to the miners to where they can take control and set their own extractions um and um you know basically they the miners get to mine as much as they can and as the moon owner um you know if you put a large enough price in you basically don't even have to do the work you just let them run it and you get passive income on top of that so that's another cool thing you could try it off if you wanted to um you know Make some more money for your moons, and you don't actually have a really good schedule, but you have a lot of liquid isk to invest. You could put a couple of structures down, offer your services to somebody, um, and then just go from there. All right, I've heard I've heard people do that for the public. In fact, um, but this is what I've heard: it's not profitable. It ends up like breaking even. But I like the imagination there. Go ahead. How long does it, right. does it take oh. to clear out uh, one moon? That's a good question. Um, are you looking for the fastest time, or are you looking for like an average amount of numbers? Well, with you, how long does it take for you to clear out uh, one frack? With my fleet, I've done one in two days. That was, you know, pretty long days. I was using um, Procures, so it was a little bit slower. But yeah, I mean... It can be done in two days, and that was for a frack that was set up for 20 days, so that's pretty big as far as your average size goes. And uh, then, um, oh, sorry, and then uh, the damn fam mining competition, you know, we, we did uh, six moons in a day, so, <laughs> you know, it could definitely, if you have the bodies, it could definitely be done. And as for ninja mining, uh, what does that entail? Which ores do people usually go for if they're going to ninja mine something? Everything besides the B moon or the vitamins, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but everything else is pretty profitable. Uh, the one that I usually try to, if I'm not, if I'm trying to, you know, be picky, I usually go for the one that's like S Y. I can never pronounce this thing. Let me see if I can pull it up. Yeah, S Y L V I T, Sylviite or whatever the heck it's called. That one. Um, especially for the glistening rocks, if you can find them, gives you a lot of titanium, a lot of mechs, and a lot of evaporate deposits, which are really profitable. Have you ninja mined someone? Have they woken up to find nothing but uh, bitumens? I did, and I got war decked, actually, shortly after that. <laughs> um, it was uh, a really well-known ice system before the changes happened. I forgot which. Uh, Held on. Yeah, they, they war decked me a few times, so... <laughs> um, but I have Ninja Mine previously before. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I oh, completely lost where I was at. Uh, one second. Well, we'll take while you're looking. We'll take a question there from Nick. Uh, 
It says also cover the fact that moon asteroids will disappear if they are not mined within a certain number of hours. That is a good point, which um, kind of brings me back to uh, the, the, the part I went over before. If your frack does not meet your schedule, or if, if you want to set up um, a moon fracking when you have a lot of time, uh, because it does take a little bit, and if you don't, if you have wasted uh, moon ore afterwards, it does despawn, and you're basically paying for the fuel for that frack to happen. So if you, you know, set up a moon frack for 56 days and you're mining it yourself, you're basically wasting fuel, um, and you're wasting a potentially income by not having, you know, the, the necessary schedule plus the necessary people to help you mine. So whenever Make sure the workload fits what you're able to mine. Um, and if it doesn't, I would try to seek help. How do industry changes affected your moons, particularly the it's, R4 ones? It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> Before um, the, the nerf, it was actually pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. It was really great money. Um, afterwards, it was pretty bad. Um I actually had to do other mining. That's actually how I got into low sec and mining ice. Um, but now I feel like it's uh, it's it's definitely better than mining Veldspar, and it's and it's high enough for miners uh, to make a living off of for sure. Um, a couple of things I wanted to go over um, uh, real quick. When you um, tr attempt to anchor a structure, you need to have at least anchoring level one. You need to be in a corporation, and you need to either be a director or a CEO to anchor the structure. Um, also, with the uh, structure, you obviously need to have a big enough ship to haul it. And um, what I also recommend for new players, if this is your first time testing or even uh, surveying moons, uh, and I'll go over that a little bit here in a second, I would recommend using the test server because... Um, you oh, know. what an interesting point. Yep, uh, it, for a lot of reasons. One, uh, survey probes, and I'll touch upon this a little bit. They're, they're not, um, you, you don't, let me, let me say it like this. Survey probes are consumable. So if you don't know how actually how that process works when scanning moons, you're basically wasting them. And then, of course, with the structure themselves, if you don't know which moons are good, you're basically wasting isk and all that stuff. And there's some other things that you have to kind of be careful of when you're, anchoring and when you're unanchoring structures that is usually better to know how to do on the test server um so are you so saying are, are, sorry, are you saying that people should practice that on the test server and then execute it in the game or were you saying that if you map them out on the test server that is equivalent to what's going on in the game so you can do it on the test server and just transfer the knowledge of where the minerals are I don't know about the the minerals being connected to the test server, but I don't. I like to practice things before I actually do them. And whenever you're working with assets as expensive as these, you want to know how to do it. You want to know what ships, like combat ships, like for example, uh, an unanchoring that had happened uh, seven months ago for one of the guys that had taken down their structures in my alliance because it wasn't profitable. Well, he didn't have anybody to support him. He didn't have any combat fleets, so basically he unanchored it. Somebody scooped it, and they took off. It's it's Okay. Well, I just wanted to make that clear because I thought it was very clever because a lot of the information on the test server is the same information that's on Tranquility. So if you were to do it 
in relative safety and inexpense over on the test server and then just transfer the map, the knowledge of where the stuff was. That was a big deal. So I assume CCP thought of that and has scrambled the information on the test server and it's different than what's on. Or maybe they don't care. Maybe they don't see it as a big expense or big risk. So they just didn't really care about it. I don't think they would honestly really care. And the moons that are important probably already have structures down on them too. So, I mean, you can scan them, but you might go to the main server and already see somebody have a structure on it. So, I mean, you could try that. Um, but this brings me into my next point, which is this is probably the, the meat and potatoes for moon scanning um, or moon mining in general is uh, surveying in moons. Um, so kind of what I went over before, Whenever you well start, let's start with this. Survey probes are completely different from regular probes. Why? Um, one important part is survey probes are consumed when they're launched, and they cannot be recalled to your ship. Um, another uh, important thing, actually, I want to explain too. Um, when you're using a survey probe, you actually have to face directly at the moon. Um, if you're not the survey probe will come back with no results and you basically just wasted uh, a probe um, not knowing that. Um, and so it, works, uh, with, it works like a bomb. If you've ever been in a bomber, you have to aim at the target. You have to have it right in front of you. And then you launch. Exactly. So you have to, you have to align to the moon and then you launch it. And if you're slightly off or whatever, then it comes back with no results. Um, and there's four different survey types. There's the survey probe type. There's the quest survey probe alpha, the discovery survey probe alpha, and the gaze survey probe omega. Oh, excuse me. The gaze survey probe. Um, the survey of the survey probe, the quest survey probe, and then the discovery are all alpha variants. The gaze is uh, omega. And the skill requirements that you need for the first uh, two um, you need to have survey level three and astrometrics level three. Uh, for the gaze survey probe, you need survey level four, I believe, and then astrometrics level four. The quest and the discovery um, for the volume size, uh, the quest is 5M3, the discovery is 10M3, and then the gaze is 5M3. And then the flight time, which is this, this is the most important part when considering what probe you want to use. For the quest survey probe, it's about 20 minutes to get a result. The discovery survey probe is five minutes, and then the gaze, which is the the the, the omega one, is only two point five minutes. So if you wanted to have a result faster, if you didn't feel like waiting, you could kind of um, choose from these options. Now the survey probe uh, fits in the high slot, um, and it doesn't really require a turret or a launcher slot. Uh, what that's cool is you can use it on different ship types like battle cruisers, frigates, destroyers, all that stuff. Um, there's, there is also a T2 variant for the launcher and it grants 10% reduction to the probe scan time. So if you put a gaze on there and if you have the T2 launcher, you can get results actually back pretty fast. Um, you know, once again, survey probes must be launched directly at the moon from within 100 km of it. This basically means you have to physically align to the moon, uh, as the probe is launched in a straight line. Uh, along your path of travel. Um, once in range and aligned, then you can go ahead and launch the survey probe. It does it does auto-repeat if you did want to um, have that set up. It, you just have to have probes in your cargo hold and it would just reload for you. Um, after launching the probe, a window will display the time uh, for the probe to complete. For this, which is pretty important, you must stay in the system and you must stay undocked until the results are back within your probe. And then uh, once the results are back, you'll see it on the bottom half of the same window. 
the window would keep the results until you log out of the game. So if you log out of the game, you try to come back in, you wouldn't have that there after logging back in. Um, and if you also wanted to delete unnecessary uh, scans, you can just you know go to the, the moon name or the bookmark for it and then select delete. Another cool... Oh, you fell out there. Push the talk. Oh, sorry. Um, another important thing that you probably should know too, whenever you're copying the results, it doesn't work with copy C. Um, you know, like say for example, if you're in your hangar, some people like to use copy C and put it into appraisal. This does not work on the survey uh, scan results. You actually have to go into the copy. Yeah, so you have to go into the window and then you have to click uh, copy to clipboard. And then from there, it'll allow you to do uh, control V. So we went over what is moon mining. We went over survey pros. We went over what do you need to kind of get started in some things that you should probably be uh, hesitant of. Um, now, on this next part, I wanted to go over the minerals and the mineral types for uh, moon mining. Um, so there's five or six different materials that you can get from moon mining. There's R4s, R8s, R16s, R32s, R64s, and uh, basic normal minerals. What's, um, the, what's the R stand for? The rarity. I'm glad you brought that up. You want to cook? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so <laughs> basically, the R stands for rarity. So if if you're thinking of high sec, it's R4. It's rarity four. R8, rarity eight. R16, blah blah blah. So on and so forth. And um, based off of the uh, actually, I'll say this too. Based off of the rarity, you get more minerals from it too. And I'll kind of go over. If you're confused about that, I'll go over what that basically means. So for the R4 moon ores, um, you get either hydrocarbons, silicites, evaporite deposits, pyrite, molexalon, and atmospheric gases. Uh, for the uh, bitumens, and this is per, um, per 1000 M3, you get 65 hydrocarbons, 6000 pyrite, and 400 molexalon. The next one. Oh, we need to push talk. Dang it! I really should change that. Yeah. Um, for the next one, um, you get sixty-five silicates, you get two thousand pyrite, and then you also get four hundred molexalon. The sliveite, whatever the heck it's called, you get sixty-five evaporite deposits, four thousand pyrite, and four hundred molexalon. And then lastly, um, probably one of the most uh profitable well the the last two are the most profitable r four moon ores is the zeolites and you get sixty five atmospheric gases you actually get eight thousand pyrite and you get four hundred molexalon now moving to the uh other ores which luckily they're a little bit more easier to go over um the next one's r eight uh moon ore which gives you forty cobalt forty scandium uh, 40 tungsten and 40 titanium. Next is the R. Next is the R16 moon ore, and you get 40 chromium, and you get 10 hydrocarbons. And then, uh, excuse me, I'm, I forgot to list them. Uh, for that one, you that's the chromite, and you get the 40 chromium and the 10 hydrocarbons. The next one, um, I'm really bad with it. Spell out the first three letters is O T A. And you get 40 uh, candium, and you get 10 atmospheric gasics. The next one, 
Sperulite, and you get 40 Platinum and 10 Evaporate Deposits. And then the last one for the R16 is you get the uh, Ven... These whatever the heck is called. <laughs> it's uh, 40... <laughs> Push to talk. Switch it off if you if you can. Did we lose your mic altogether? All right. How is there that? Is that better? All right, cool. That's a lot easier we'll for me. That. Yeah. All right. Let's go back into it. All right. So uh, the 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 Venidites, uh keep. I'm terrible with these names. It's uh, forty Venium and ten Silicites. Uh, and then that's basically all of the R16 Moonors. The next one is the R32, and then you um, have quite a bit. Uh, you kind of get to the point where you get three different moon materials from these, and I'll try to go over them as briefly as possible. The first one is Car O Knight. It's uh, forty Technium, ten Cobalt, and fifteen Atmospheric Gases. The next one, Cinnabar, uh, 50 Mercury, 10 Tungsten, and 15 Evaporate Deposits. Uh, the next one is uh, P-O-L-L. It's uh, 50 uh, Casium, 10 Scandium, and 15 Hydrocarbons. And then the last one is uh, Zikron. It's uh, 50 Hafnium, 10 Titanium, and 15 Silicites. And then lastly, um, for the R64s, you have about four different variants. Uh, the first one's Laparit. You get 22 pro, uh, pro, Promethium, 10 Platinum, 20 Scandium, 20 Hydrocarbons. The next one's uh, Monza, whatever heck it is. It's uh, 22 um, Nidium, 10 Chromium, 20 Tungsten, 20 Evaporate Deposits. Uh, the next one's uh, Xenotime. You get 22 Dysporium, 10 Vandium, 20 Cobat, 20 Atmospheric Gasix. And the last one, um, it's a weird name, Y-T-T-E-R, Bytes. Interbyte. 22. <laughs> there you go. You oh know what? God. I think that's after Iterbium. Do you remember Iterbium? Like Tiberian? No. No, he is a developer no. for CCP called uh, Iterbium. And I think that's actually... I thought we had a moment. Thought we had a moment because I was like, I played Command and Conquer too. Oh, no, we didn't, we didn't have a moment. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so but <laughs> Iterbium. So I think he was named after a mineral or of some sort. It's literally yeah. atomic number 70. Know. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's on your periodic uh, chart. So it's Iterbyte. Hey, I just I just mine the stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't know all this. <laughs> I don't get to know it. I just mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, where was I? Threw me off there. Uh, right. Interbyte. You were you're reading off for Interbyte. Yeah, uh, twenty-two. Um, I actually went over that. Ten candium, twenty titanium, and twenty silicates. All right. So that's basically all the um different ore types and the mineral types that you can expect with moon ore uh mining, which is pretty much your bread and butter. Um, just knowing which ones are going to give you the most bang for buck, and with the new changes, um, knowing which ones go into which production will basically allow you to gauge which um. What am I trying to say? Which ones will give you more isk uh, per hour ratios? Um, the ships that you would mostly use for mining these um, are in high sec. You would either in high sec you would be able to use the Venture, the Prospect, Endurance, Procure, Coveter Retriever, Skiff, Hulk, Mackinoff, Porpoise, or Orca. And then for null sec and low sec, you would have Rorqual and all of those same options. And matter all real fast too. You should. I should have sent you two charts in a PM. 
that Rundle worked on for us. And um, if you are interested in knowing um, which uh, ships will give you the most um, income for your mining, um, Rundle, he's a you know pretty prominent person in talking the stations actually created a little chart for us that I'm going to go over real fast with you today. Um, which it's ooh, I don't actually have a meme or a, a link. No, I don't have a link, unfortunately. Just have the uh, copy and paste. I could kind of just wing it if need be. All right, let me just post it real fast. While I'm putting this in channel, um, basically what the link goes over is the different um, uh, materials as far as or the different um, rarities for each moon ore. It has the R64, the R32, uh, so on and so forth. And it gives you, um, you know, the most valuable. And then it also shows you the least valuable. And then on the second chart, it shows you all the different mining ships that you can expect. Um, and it also gives you the numbers that you can expect to mine with said ship with either mining drones, uh, with lasers and mining drones, or with boost lasers and mining drones. And it also has orcas and porpoises on there too, and rorquals, excuse me. So if you wanted to get an idea of how much can a, um, a Rivendell. I call it Rundo. I wonder why he didn't. <laughs> so bad. Now nah, I feel really bad, actually. <laughs> they call it Rundo sometimes. Rivendell. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if in the the cool thing I actually like about this one is if you actually look at uh the procure on the chart, it say it shows you what it mines with lasers and drones which i mean it's well uh, we'll just look at lasers if you compare it to the orca it's the orca out mines um the uh procure but when you add in boost it shows you actually how much you actually can mine with boosts for all those people and this is important for all those people who like mining with orcas and uh they use multi-boxers you're actually wasting your time because you're you're mining longer um than you would normally be able to do if you just actually pet up uh, an actual fleet with boost and all that, all that stuff. <laughs> so um, that's that's basically all that I wanted to go over. Like I said, is I you know I feel like it's an important thing to know if you are a up and starter industry corporation or if you want to get into this activity is knowing um, the pitfalls, knowing the startup of what you need to get started, and then knowing which ores are going to be profitable for you. And if you're in high sec, you you would want to stick with the zeolites or the um the sylviites because those would be you know the the main ones that are usually selling a lot and they would give you the pyrite and they would give you oh they would give you a majority of pyrite and the evaporate materials so uh that's my presentation hopefully you guys liked it if you have any questions cool to ask or answer them for you uh just a quick question on that ch uh, chart for the mining command ships are those uh paired up with t2 drones or augmented ones or what kind of drones just t2 not augmented just t2s but for Rokos, are you using uh, excavators or also T2? Mm, I'm also believing that it's T2. Because th this, this whole graph was um, designed to be your normal, your average miner. 
And if you're using like ex- excavators or um, you know the the faction mining drones, that wouldn't be something that we would want to present on this chart because at that point you already kind of know what to expect when you're mining. So everything's like T2 modules or T2 drones. Okay. Yes. Uh, I mean, the special thing about Roco is the is its ability to use the uh, ex- excavator drones. Uh, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, if if you used uh, everything at your disposal, you would be breaking that number that we have present on the chart there. Yeah. Also, in low sec, do you use rocos or porpoise? In low sec, um, I use porpoises for boost. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, first, for starters, I don't think I would ever want to purchase a rocal. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just putting anything in low sec is just asking to get dropped, even with the porpoise. So if, if you bring a Rorqual out, you, uh, you wouldn't survive more than like 10 minutes yeah, <laughs> in the area. Sorry, what's so the price difference? The Rorqual? Yeah, what's the price difference? And why does that, why would that make a big difference, I guess? I honestly don't know how much a Rorqual goes for fully fitted, Rorqual? but I know that a... Nowadays, nowadays, 5 billion, I would say. Is that fitted or just for the whole? Just for the whole, I think. No. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Porpoise is maybe five, 100 million to fit, and that's with uh, T2 rigs and everything. And, um, you know, the porpoise is good because you can, if you're using it as a booster, you just fit stabs and you align out, you're able to get out of a lot of situations. And if you do lose it and you have a decent fleet, you will make up your money. Versus a work wool, I mean... I, I'm not money bagging, so if I lose a Rorqual, uh, I would I would probably hurt uh, my income a little bit. So I try to go with uh, safety over, you know, blingy. Right. So you're yeah, only boosting maybe. with a cheap, fast ship to be able to save it if you need to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah survivability over um, income with low sec. In, in any activity, actually, in mining, you want to fit for survivability. That basically means. Um, and this is my perspective. You can use whatever barges you want, but I usually recommend new players to use procures uh, because procures you can get a really good tank. It doesn't mine the fastest. It doesn't have the biggest cargo hold, but it will um, save your investments. And you know, it, it it requires a pretty sizable ganky fleet to take it out. And if they do gank it, they don't gain anything versus what they you know retrieve or a coveter. They don't need that many. I mean one. Catalyst could probably pop a cover, and they get all those T two modules. So they're basically breaking, um, if if not breaking even, they're gaining income from that. With the procurer, however, their 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 loss ratio is going to be too high for most people to want to do that for income. And if they do the do the do do that, I mean, you know, they're wasting their money at that point. They're just usually doing it for lulls. So whenever you're working in any type of activity, I've been talking a lot. I'm sorry. Whenever you're working with any type of activity as a miner, you want to fit for survivability why because you want to basically make sure that if you're mining you're going to sustain that income you're not going to be losing it and having to pay for the replacement for your ship so um yep but that was my presentation is there any other questions for me um if not i'm gonna stop rambling and let matter all take over oh well you know you're the one that's supposed to be talking so it's okay uh-huh. But thanks very much, Khan, for walking us through uh, moon mining really quickly. There's videos that we were showing you from other content creators that have been uh, put out there. Um, and, uh, of course, we have some graph work here by Revendal. 
Good stuff, Colin. Thanks very much. Again, you're super experienced because you mine for faction war. Uh, sure, Colin. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's funny how I got started. Um, you know, I was a PvPer, but I always wanted to be a supportive role. And um, about four years ago, oh, I feel like I'm going to go on old tangent. Uh, <laughs> but um, I got into ship production first, and then from ship production, I got into mining um, because it was an activity that wasn't needed. And the 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 cool thing about faction warfare is you got LP to buy blueprints. Um, so I had started my own little you know, uh, ship monopoly where I was selling, you know, stabber fleet issues and scythe fleet issues really cheap and using that money to continue to farm LP. And then from there, I got into moon mining uh, because I I couldn't keep breaking even buying the, the minerals directly from the market. So I just mined and, you know, on top of the ship production and the mining, I was able to, you know, expand into what I'm doing now, which I love it. And I love mining. It's a great activity. Yeah. Any other questions, though? I think one thing to note is uh, for, let's say, a regular uh, war type like Valspar, there's a mm. plus 5, plus 10, and plus 15 variant. And the plus 15 variants for all uh, standard wars can only be found in Mongu. Exactly, yeah. And and then, then you know, with um, Valspar or any type of belt mining, um, mining barges usually don't do better out there because of the cycle time for those rocks. But they do do better in moon ore um, mining because um, let me actually reword that because I think I'm doing a terrible job. Uh, whenever you compare like an orca to a procure, the orca usually mines uh, out mines um, the procure in the belt because of the cycle time. Um, if you were to pop an asteroid uh, in an asteroid belt, you lose whatever amount of percentage that cycle has. Um, on the mining laser but on moon ore since the moon ores are higher yield you're basically pulling in way more resources that you would normally do in uh belts with mining barges uh with uh with the orca with mining drones um so yeah also i have a question let's say for example i'm mining uh for material to build a paladin which is a mar uh tech to marauder right so mm. for those moon uh, for, for those material T2 materials, can I only get them in a Mar space? Let's say a Mar 0.5 uh, you, or low sec, or you, I can get it. The, and... I'm sorry, I just want to understand. Do you mean the, the R4s themselves? Yeah, or the R64s, due to build the T2 components. You you can get them anywhere. Um, so there's not like a specific region as far as where the, the different material types spawn. Um, they're just based off of the rarity of the moon. So you can be in Mimitar space and get that specific moon goo for your production. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Khan. And uh, we'll wrap it up with that. We have Khan here. If you have any questions, look him up on Talking Stations. You can see him at TIS um, public channel anytime, especially after the show. All right. That's it for us today. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, Rich and Shen and Caleb and who else am I missing here? Nobody, right? Uh, I, I guess one quick note about news uh, that I just found out. Oh, in fifth of all this, that Dreadbomb took over a lot of TCUs, but none of the iHubs. So that's really interesting. I don't know what they're trying to do, but they look really big on map. Because they took they took over all the TCU, but they didn't take any real like real strategically important 
uh, things in Petabalis. What's that about? That's like basically going through a neighborhood, and instead of kicking everybody out and moving in, you basically put a lawn sign on every lawn saying, we own this house. But it's empty. It's, it's not kicking anyone out. It's, it's wide open empty. space. They, they just put a flag on there and say, this is our space. Okay. But they don't actually build anything on top of it. Well, so. It might be good for recruiting because Dotlan actually puts you in order of uh, TCUs that you own. So let me show you what that looks like. And I'm not sure that's it, but it, it it's just a thought. But let's go over to Dotlan. And if you look at alliances, the default is systems. How many systems do you have TCUs in? So you could look at this if a new player and say, well, I'm going to look at alliances and corporations and see the top 10 list and see, oh, these are the big alliances. Um, but this is a little bit deceptive. These are the most, it's default again, how many systems do you own? So they might be putting themselves up. They're at number six now. You see that with 113? And uh, they may be wanting to work up to the top four or five. And that might be good for recruitment, you know, because uh, a new player wouldn't know the difference. They'll come in and say like, oh, Dreadbomb, they're number four on the uh, Alliance ranks. That's the only thing I could think of. Why else would you do that? I don't know. This is interesting. Right? Yeah. One special thing to know. And, you know, it's it's not a very difficult thing to do. And it, you know, would get you up there. So who knows? All right. Thanks for that last late breaking news, uh, Shen. Okay, guys, we will see you next time on Talking in Stations.